Welcome to CEO Money. I'm Michael Yorba. Thanks for joining with us. I have Peter Kent. He is the author and internet expert. Uh, Peter has got uh, several books, I think somewhere around 50 that are best-selling um, books out there. Peter, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Michael. All right, Peter, give us some background on yourself, and I want to get into some of these questions I've got set up for you for uh Cybersecurity, cryptocurrencies, things of that nature. Uh, well, I've been working in technology a, a long time, since the, the late 70s, 79. Um, in fact, I lived in Texas for uh, 10 years, as you can probably tell from my accent. <laughs> uh, worked in oil, well, perhaps, perhaps not. Um, but uh, I've been since then working in the oil business originally um, since the uh, 80s. Um, I, I've been in telecommunication. I started writing computer books actually for um, a company in Plano. I don't know if it's still there, Wordware. But um, in writing computer 86, I've written actually, I think it's 60 books, but uh, not all bestsellers. A number of them were bestsellers. I'd love to have had 60 bestsellers, but um, a few were. Uh, the Complete Idiot's Guide to the Internet, uh, SEO for Dummies, and so on. Um, but uh, I also do e commerce consulting. Uh, helping companies uh, figure out how to do business online, and um, and I do a lot of uh, expert witness work, litigation, um, helping out in, in lawsuits uh, that have some sort of element related to internet technology or uh, digital marketing. Now, I, you're, I want to start off talking about cryptocurrencies. Many of the people that have been on the show, we talk about exchanges and we talked about a variety of currencies. But nobody ever gets down in the weeds like what you're talking about and explaining, if you will, briefly to the people that are in the audience how cryptocurrencies actually work. Yeah, it's, it's a strange area of cryptocurrency. There's so much interest and there's so little knowledge. It, it really surprises me. I think uh, most people who have purchased Bitcoin, for instance, don't know what they've purchased. That uh, they've seen a record somewhere saying they own something, but they don't really understand what it is, which is kind of dangerous uh, because you can get into a lot of trouble. You can have it stolen uh, through hacking, uh, or you can lose it. You can lose access to it if you don't know what you're doing. So essentially, how should we put this? A, a cryptocurrency is a record in a ledger. You hear people talk a lot about the, the crypto, the blockchain ledger, in fact. I'll come back to blockchain. Um, it's a record in a ledger that says you own a certain amount of Bitcoin, let's say. There is no actual Bitcoin. There's nothing you see or touch or feel or taste. Um, there's nothing, uh, there's not even a, a sort of digital representation of a Bitcoin. There are merely records of Bitcoin transactions. Now, that may sound kind of weird, but if you look at your bank statement, that's a form of ledger. You look at your bank statement, you can see money coming in from your employer. You can see money going out to the grocery store. It's just a list of transactions. 
And as, um, as the Israeli historian uh, Yuval Harari says, um, in, I believe in his book, Sapiens, 90% of the world's cash is merely records on a computer server somewhere. 90%. And it's quite right, in fact, if you do your own research, go and search for uh, money supply figures. M0 is circulating currency. Two is something called, M0 is, is currency. M2 uh, is circulating money supply. M0, the actual cash, is only 10% of the money supply. So um, cryptocurrency is similar in that way to ordinary currencies, the fiat currencies, as we call them. It's just records in a ledger. Now, with cryptocurrency being something so foreign to most people in, when it comes to fiat currency, um, meaning that they can touch it, they can buy it on it and all that, um, trading it for goods and services. I wanted to let you explain that to to the audience about how that either isn't going to happen or how it is already happening and how they can use it to, to their benefit. Because we've seen Bitcoin go from you know 3,000 to over 9,000 a day in a very short period of time. So you've got to be able to make some sort of a transaction and get some sort of an, a tangible benefit from trading of the, what at least 30 of these currencies that are out there. There's actually a couple of thousand of these currencies. Mm -hmm. uh, most, quite frankly, are garbage, uh, but, uh, but there, there's a lot of them out there. They're not hard to create, and so there are thousands. Um, I'd like to make the point first, I don't believe they're true currencies. I mean, the, the name is cryptocurrency. Crypto comes from cryptography. What's a currency? Is, is a form of money in general use in a particular nation, or it could be an international currency. You might be talking about that later, but um, it, it's in general use. And quite frankly, there are very few actual transactions going on with currency for the purpose of purchasing you know, groceries or whatever. You can go. There are places you can go and use it. You can go to, um, I believe, Overstock. I know New Newegg, the electronic store, um, online electronic store. You can use Bitcoin there to buy things. But the problem is uh, the currency is so volatile. Um, I just called it a currency. Bitcoin uh, is so volatile. It's too volatile to be a true currency. Um, the vast majority of merchants don't want to take Bitcoin um, for, for a good or service they provide to when the price could drop 10% overnight. So it's not a true currency. I, I think of it as more of an asset. I think of Bitcoin really, it's kind of like digital gold. It's like gold, it's an asset. You don't go into the grocery store and buy groceries with gold, but you use it to store value, uh, to store wealth. And uh, Bitcoin is similar to that, except it's, it's electronic. You can sell it to somebody the other side of the world. So um, I'm not quite sure of the question. We, you wanted me to explain how to do uh, transactions, how to send this money to someone else? Well, what I was trying to get to is that in this process of, of describing Bitcoin, the reason that people are drawn to it is not just because it has an intrinsic value and it can appreciate. That's why people buy it. They don't buy it because they can lose money. But there also is a way to make a transaction and get something from that transaction. You know, it's got to be able to be trans. The, the value has to transfer into something that people can can touch and feel and use on, on a on a daily basis versus just a 
storehouse for for value if it's going to have any kind of continuity to it any, anything that's going to last for a while and and that's what i'm trying to get to where do you see that part coming into it so it's not hard to uh, buy and sell bitcoin or, right. or any of these currencies right you, so there are exchanges you mentioned exchanges earlier on so uh, let's talk about coinbase for instance coinbase is probably the largest uh, exchange in the united states you go to coinbase you can load your account with dollars. Uh, you, can, you can do it with a debit card, you can do it with a bank transfer, um, and then you can buy Bitcoin. In the future, you can reverse the process. You can take Bitcoin sitting in your account and convert it back to dollars. So there are exchanges, many, many out there, um, that allow you to transfer uh, the, the, the value of uh, your cryptocurrencies from one cryptocurrency to the other or from a cryptocurrency into, um, into a fiat currency. So right now, Bitcoin is really a speculative asset. Uh, it's, let's be honest, most people have bought Bitcoin because they're hoping the price will go up. And, and of course it has for many. If you happen to buy it uh, in December of 2017, you've lost a lot of money. Uh, if you bought it a month ago, six weeks ago, um, but it is it is an appreciating well hopefully appreciating asset some of the time uh, certainly over the history it's appreciated very well and um, so so for the moment it's a speculative investment uh, more than a currency but but it's it's not hard to buy and sell it to to transfer it back into dollars. Talk to me about Facebook getting into cryptocurrency. What is the, what is the game plan there? Why would they do that? Yeah, this is very interesting. I think this could be really revolutionary actually. Um, so we should find out more tomorrow. Facebook is supposed to be releasing a white paper that explains how all this works tomorrow, they're saying. Uh, so um, they're calling it Libra. I've heard it called Global Coin, but I think the, the term they're using now is Libra. We'll find out. Um, so what is it? Is it? It's been called a cryptocurrency. It's not a cryptocurrency, almost certainly not a cryptocurrency in the sense of Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency. Um, it, it will use some of the same technology. But the thing about Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, that they're what are known as uh, trustless and decentralized systems. So, for instance, um, with Bitcoin, there are 100,000 nodes. These are computers around the world that check Bitcoin transactions. And the idea in a trustless system is that nobody trusts anybody else. None of the nodes trust each other. And so they check each other's work. And the accumulated work that's done to check uh, that all the transactions are valid is how trust is built into the system. So it's called trustless system. You hear that term a lot. But in a sense, the trust is built into the system. It's trustless in the sense you, you cannot trust any individual actor. And it's, so it's decentralized. Anybody can set up a node and be part of the process that, uh, that verifies uh, Bitcoin transactions. Now, with Facebook Libra, it's going to be a very different situation. Um, our, if, you want to, if you want to have a node, you're going to have to cough up $10 million to begin. Um, they will have perhaps 100 nodes, 1,000th of the number that Bitcoin has. And these will be big companies, PayPal is involved, uh, MasterCard, Visa, um, who else? Uh, Spotify. There's a whole range of companies already signed up, apparently. And they will be running the transactions. So 
With cryptocurrency, we hear a lot about the dark web and how you can't trace transactions. There's some not entirely true. Um, but uh, with, um, with Libra, with Facebook Libra, it's going to be a very different situation. It's going to be centralized. I'm sure you will be able to track transa uh, transactions just as you can with Visa or now or PayPal. Uh, it's not going to be a true cryptocurrency, but, it, but it's been called a cryptocurrency by many people, uh, partly because it's going to use the same cryptographic or similar cryptographic technologies, and partly because it's, a, it's a, what we call a token. It's a digital representation of money. So that's, that brings in the question that everybody really wants to know. The defining line between a security token and a utility token. So what have they given, Facebook given anybody any hint whether it's going to be a security token, which appreciates its value, or a utility token, which they can trade for goods and services? So it's not going to be a security token. Um, the, the whole purpose of Libra is to run transactions. So if you're a Facebook user, and there's two billion of them out there right now, almost a third of humanity has a, a actually logs into Facebook once a month or more. Almost a third of humanity is it's phenomenal. And this is one reason why this could really take off. Um, if you're a Facebook user, you will have a Libra account. Let's say you load it with, um, uh, with dollars, or, or you take some dollars, even to an ATM they're talking about. You go to an ATM and you transfer money from your bank account into Libra. And then you can use that Libra to buy, um, whether it's uh, an e-commerce store in the United States or you're paying a web designer in India, you'll be able to pay in Libra. Facebook is even talking about paying its own uh, employees in Libra. So this isn't um, a security token. It's not supposed to appreciate. It has to be stable or it won't function. A currency, as I discussed earlier, has to be a stable value or it doesn't function. Uh, which is why Bitcoin won't function as a currency right now. Um, so, so Libra will be what is known in business as a stable coin. And a stable coin is, is uh, a coin that is pegged to some other, some other commodity or currency. And in this case, it's going to be pegged a basket of, um, of different currencies from around the world. So this is intended to be a, a, a global coin. That was the previous name we were hearing before Libra intended to be a world currency that you can use anywhere in the world. Um, but assuming it's in a country that's not banning cryptocurrency, and there's a few of those. I know India right now, in fact, is uh, um, there's a bill going through uh, that, that could well ban cryptocurrency. We'll see. All right, Peter, we've come to the end of our show, but I want to invite you to come back on the show. I know we can talk for hours and hours with each other about the nuances going on with cryptocurrencies. We haven't even touched smart contracts, which I want to do with you next time you're on the show. And uh, delve into, the, now that we've broached the subject with each other, then we can delve into some of the nuances with each one of these high-level topics we spoke about today, okay? That would be great, Michael. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Don't go away. I want to make a couple of introductions to you after the show. All right? Thank you. You're welcome. You've been watching CEO Money with Michael Yorba. Thanks for joining with us. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.